Who did we interview this week? Well, we interviewed two people this mm-hmm. week. Well, okay, but this episode. This episode. <laughs> I was like, you gotta be specific. <laughs> um, this episode, we talked to, which honestly, I'm still kind of like, it was really professional. I like, know. I was... We we were not joking around. We asked real serious questions and only flubbed a few times. A few times. I mean, it's still, it's, it's still, still cute. It's it was still cute. cute. Man, <laughs> like how we kind of trail off. Like, are we? Please be. Um, no, we talked with uh, Broadway scenic designer Derek McLean. And we when we say Broadway, we mean the Broadway. Exactly. Like, oh well, what's so funny is that Mallory and I have both worked on i don't want to say on his sets but we've worked in the same show with him correct yeah we have run shows that he's designed there we go that's Mm -hmm. the sentence that needed to Um, be framed and did not know no not at all not until we looked at his website went huh huh also some of our like favorite shows that we were like oh wow he designed that because some of his notable things that we we talk about his newest work which is the moulin rouge the moulin rouge on broadway um, he also did some big success, like how to succeed in business Is it without, without, even, without even trying. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a full sentence there. Um, he did Noises Off, uh, the revival that was in 2009, I believe. He did Hairspray Live. And The Wiz and Live. And The Wiz. Ugh. Which we get into. It's very fun. And he also designed some of the sets for the Oscars. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. The Oscars. Not the Emmys. Not the Tonys. The Oscars. We all say things that we don't mean. <laughs> we all do it. And, it, you know, we just bear that shame in our hearts and take it to our do. graves. It just sits <laughs> like like guilt tummy. That's a guilt gut. That's what it's mostly because we don't we didn't know him at that point. That's Thank God true. He's a very lovely human, very and lovely. we had a very great, and we we were very educated. I know. I I mean, we talked to him for an entire hour, and I was running down that clock to like three fifty nine because we we promised that will last an hour or less, and I could have talked to him for like two more hours. Yeah, just we to left, ask more and questions. I was like, I had more things. I know, but. But that just means we can bring in another scenic designer. Exactly. And ask them other questions. So if you have thoughts after this episode, what else do you want to know about scenic design? Um, We don't even touch on the technical elements of scenic design. So we don't talk about the painters or the builders, a.k.a. the carpenters, um, or the putter-uppers. I think those are still carpenters. (laughs) Well, we're going to learn. Um, but we don't get, even get into that side of it. We just, we just talk really about the design aspect. And, and yeah, and his thoughts and everything, which mm-hmm. again, it's so great and to talk to someone. History. Gosh, I know. I know. He, it's really great mm-hmm. to see. Yeah. And his work's so bold and really astounding. Mm-hmm. It was really fun to I'm, It was a good one. It was. It was. And um, we don't quite touch on it in the actual interview, so I wanted to play it here. Um, his next upcoming work, if you happen to find yourself in New York, uh, probably somewhere in 20, oh my God, 2020. Holy cow. Yeah, I don't want to think find about Find yourself it. in New York in 2020. This is where I'll be out in 2020. Right. Um, he is designing the play for the Roundabout Theater Company, uh, The American Soldier. Um, so go check that, that out. Right? It sounds very interesting. It is. It's not The American Sun, even though he did design The American Sun that was just on Broadway with Kerry Washington. I'm just, I just want to talk about how I really thought it was Soldier Boy. 
<laughs> and it's not because that's that's really embarrassing yep. but also i nope. can't get names right at all that's okay dyslexia oh yeah speaking of names welcome to working in the wings oh whoops <laughs> Seven where have in. you been i'm mallory i'm Haley. <laughs> we're so excited you're still listening um and without Here, further I'm ado sorry. because this is gonna be a longer episode because i doubt i'm gonna cut much out um unless it's things we said stupidly uh, yeah <laughs> honestly y'all i'm you should be happy with all the stupid things i cut out sometimes the tangents but without further ado enjoy our interview with Derek mclean Haley and mallory working in the wings Derek, thank you for being with us today. My I'm pleasure. I'm really excited to talk to you, especially since, and we'll probably mention this in the intro, you designed Moulin Rouge. I did. Which we're very mm-hmm. excited about. But before we get to the present, um, I want to talk about, like, what got you into scenic design? What started your love for theater? Well, uh, you know, I guess, like most things, it was an accident. Um, <laughs> I started uh, when I was... So before uh, I started... Um, college I had worked house construction as a summer job um, just to make money and so when I got to college somebody asked me they heard they 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 heard about this and they asked me to build a set which I did Uh, it was a production of two gentlemen of Verona that was outdoors but I didn't design it Uh, I built it and Mm -hmm. I I didn't really love building it uh, to be honest but I but I thought (laughs) wow designing would be so cool that's what I want to do and um, so there were so many undergraduate productions that um, it was easy to just start designing shows. And so the first thing I designed was a production of Guys and Dolls that was in a dining hall. Um, Harvard had all these productions that took place in the dining halls where you'd have to sort of, you know, tech between meals and um, <laughs> or, or, or right. maybe after hours, and then you know, and then people would eat there all day long, and then in the evening they'd sort of move the chairs around and turned it into a theater. And so um, it was a um, really kind of a cringe-worthy design um, um, <laughs> when I think think back on it, but I was very proud of it. And um, more importantly, I was um, I was sort of totally smitten by this whole thing. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, uh, you know, I, I, I started working with other student directors that were uh, around and 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 then i I started designing some stuff peter sellers uh who's an opera director Mm -hmm. um now was a classmate of mine he was really a brilliant um a brilliant thinker and and you know on his way to becoming an important avant-garde director and um, so i started doing some stuff with him and um and i I was totally thrilled by it and 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 then uh you know and i decided that's what i wanted to do for a living that's so cool. So where, um, where'd you go to school at? So I, I was an undergraduate at Harvard. In Harvard, oh. yeah. And um, there was no theater program uh, there when I was when I was there. There is one now, but uh, when I was there, there, there was you couldn't even major in it. And um, so um, uh, Harvard had this idea that they were not a trade school, and um, mm. and, and theater was a trade. Um, hmm. So um, so. Uh, I was an English major. That was the closest, oh. the closest thing that there was. <laughs> and uh, but I also kind of recognized that I didn't really know what the hell I was doing, and so I, um, you know, I, I realized I, I, I kind of needed to go actually get some skills. I was just really enthusiastic. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so I, um, and I met Michael Jurgen, the designer Michael Jurgen, because he was up, he was up there 
at Harvard um, designing for the newly formed American Repertory Theater. Okay. And he was on the faculty of Yale, and I sort of threw myself at Michael and said, I want to be your assistant, and I want to be a designer, and what should I do? And he said, we well, should try to go to Yale um, and study, study set design at the drama school. So, um, and he helped me prepare for the interview, and, mm-hmm. and so that's what I ended up doing. I love that you just kind of went around to people and were like, let me design stuff, and just like did it in little things. I think a lot of students get stuck in that they have to do a main stage and that they have to like it has to be at this certain I know my undergrad did so it's I love hearing when people are like no we went out everywhere and like went to different places I think students get really caught in that that if it's main stage that's what the pro uh, the portfolio wants and I'm like no you could do something interesting anywhere well you know it's interesting it was probably easier for me because there was no theater program Mm -hmm. um, because um there wasn't that much competition. That's true. So That's like, very um, true. And I was, mean, you're the only no one form- in town. There was nobody to tell me. There was nobody to tell me no. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just sort of like, you know, I said I want to design the set for your show. They're like, okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> we so, don't got anyone else. <laughs> nobody else here has volunteered. So. That's awesome. I mean, yeah. unfortunately, in a lot of regional theaters, that's still the case. Yeah. Because it's it's still not a popular trade for how many mediums and styles you get to work with. Um, just looking at your website and looking at like where you've worked and the kinds of shows you've worked on. Like you've you kind of run the gamut, it seems like, <laughs> except for space. I didn't see space. But, but. you know, <laughs> it's, it's so interesting that it's not something that more people go into. Um, did you... Just okay. a lot, I, I have to disagree yeah. with you there a little yeah. bit because actually... Uh, the, it, there are a lot of people who do it and want to do it, um, and it's actually a very competitive field. Oh. It's not as competitive as, say, being an actor, right? But uh, there is there's a, a high level of unemployment uh, mm-hmm. among among designers. There are far more people who want to design shows than there are jobs for them, and so you know some of those people have to. Um, you know they don't have they don't actually have careers as designers they become they become associates at designers or they mm-hmm. where they go into other sort of uh related fields mm-hmm. but you know even um you know even people with graduate school training not all of them end up having you know um successful sure. careers as designers yeah. when people ask me um which and they do you know i get i get you know calls from sort of Friends of friends who have a kid who wants to be a designer now, mm-hmm. and they, you know, they often yeah. say, or or from young aspiring designers themselves who say, um, you know, would you recommend this as a profession? Mm. And uh, you know, I kind of have to say, to be perfectly honest, no, mm-hmm. um, I don't recommend it as a profession unless you feel like you must do it. Mm-hmm. In which case, then there's no choice. Then that's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. But if if you were to sit there and say, you know. I might be, you know, any number of different things in the world. Um, being a set designer is, um, it's, it's wonderful if you can succeed at doing right. it and actually work. But it's also, it's, it's very, very hard. To, it's very challenging to make a living. Sure. B- because the pay, the pay is so poor and the, um, and the uh, op, you know, and because it's so competitive. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's really not for everybody in that regard. Well, I'm sure. and I feel like, because I, 
um, went to graduate school for costume design. Yeah. And I'm dressing now. And I still want to, like, design stuff. But I found, like, being in the city and, like, having more realistic scope on it. It's, mm-hmm. that, it's that I'm just happy to be in the buildings, in the plays, and helping, and, like, being a part of it. And I feel like if you just want, and this might just be coming from me, if you just want to be a designer, that's where you kind of fell flat. Right. I feel, and I... I have a friend who is a, I went to grad school with her. She's a designer, but she paints a lot. Mm-hmm. And so and she's kind of gone on to where she's at paint shops more. She still would love to design. I think she has design one or two stuff, but she's still successful because she's still working. Right. And mm-hmm. she's still paint. you know. And I think that's another thing that as people who want to be designers say costume, you can't just be like, well, I'm never going to stitch. I'm never going to wardrobe. I'm never going to do these little things. Mm-hmm. That could actually help you be a part of it and find out, oh, I might like to just milliner or work right. in this shop. That's just another thing, because I think kids just think, oh, I'm going to go straight to Broadway. I know I did. I was like, I'm going to go straight to Broadway. It's like, with how? <laughs> you, you silly girl. Like, there's so many people, and there's so many you know, designers struggling, but it's also like there's other things to do where you are a part of telling the story and you are a mm-hmm. part of the project right. that still makes right. it successful. So going along that line, can you kind of explain <laughs> yeah. what are the kind of stepping stones either you took or that current young designers aspiring are taking to become a designer because i'm sure there are stepping stones like you've graduated college yeah. check done and you yeah. went to yale sure i think i went to graduate school so that was, yeah. that was graduate thing. School. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what do you do after that to start to get your feet wet and or even dive right in well so uh, you know one number one when i moved to new york and this is probably true for any person who graduates from school mm-hmm. in any field when they move wh- wherever is you have to figure out how to you know pay the rent yep right um, so <laughs> you know in my case um you know yes i knew i wanted to be a set designer but um that also wasn't going to happen right away so mm-hmm, right. Uh, but i did have skills that i learned in graduate school which you know i, I knew how to draft and make models and i was mm-hmm. a, i was a pretty good draftsman so mm-hmm. i was able to get work pretty quickly uh, as an assistant designer, um, and I, uh, and that was hugely valuable for me because, um, you know, quite frankly, I wouldn't have been ready to just start working anyway. Not that right. anybody was going to offer me design jobs, yeah. really, but, um, uh, you know, I got to learn a lot about how different, uh, different designers conducted their business, how they how they handled meetings. How they answered, you know, how they talked to people on the phone, because just being in the room with these people all the time. So, you know, that was a that was a tremendous learning opportunity for me. And over the next couple of years, I probably assisted ten or twelve different uh, designers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some on small shows and some on big shows. I worked for uh, the designer Robin Wagner, who was the you know he at the time he was uh, far and away the most you know, successful Broadway set designer. He had a big studio, lots of projects going, lots of lots of big musicals, and so I worked there for about a year, and that was that was hugely educational. Yeah. And it was sort of that was my first real exposure to commercial theater. Watch, you know, being involved in those meetings with directors and producers and other designers, and um, so that was that was really that was really great. You know, and eventually during that time, I started to get some of my own little tiny shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a hard thing, you know. People always ask, um, like, how do you get started as a young designer? You know, when you've gotten out of school, how do you get your first design mm-hmm. jobs? And there is no real sort of easy answer to that. I mean, it's a little bit of a catch twenty two because, um, 
people don't have they don't you know people want to see your work mm-hmm. um, and th- you have nothing to show them except for some some school projects right mm-hmm. so y- you know it's I don't know there's sort of it's it requires a bit of luck it requires a bit of um, uh, charm certainly mm-hmm. certainly I think charm and your ability to meet people and instill confidence I mean you know basically what you've got to do is you've got to instill the confidence in a director and producer that to to, mm-hmm. to to do this but the other problem for the if a young designer starting out on those little projects mm-hmm. especially in New York is that they have no money I mean they have no money right. Right. and so so then how do you do a show and make it look like something mm-hmm. you know if, if you get if you've given a $500 set budget how do you you know <laughs> That's how a do chair. You, yeah exactly <laughs> so how do you well, you know what do you do that lets you make your mark that that um you know, will ever impress anybody to let you do a bigger right. show, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's that's a real challenge. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know the answer to it. It's just it's somehow just it's just somehow it kind of happens. That's like kind of been the consensus of yeah. most people when we said, "Well, how did you get started?" And they're like, "I don't know." <laughs> like I it just it happened. Yeah. You had that one chance meeting, that chance moment, or whatever, or somebody refers you, or right. someone took a chance on you, mm-hmm. yeah. and you impressed them, and they wanted to keep you. Yeah. Like, that's really... But it is. It's that confidence that you have to have. And also, it just sounds like you had a lot of experience, yeah. which is another thing that's really good for people listening to this, is, like, experience. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people get stuck in their little in their little places. Like, they were confident in their school, or they were confident at this regional theater, and they're scared to branch out. But it's you kind of have mm-hmm. to... So you yeah, no, I think it definitely helps to have a skill level yeah. um, to fall back on because um, that is, you know, that is that is something tangible that mm-hmm. people can Absolutely. can hire you for. I mean, the other way that I, I suppose that uh, you know some of those jobs happen, some of the sort of bigger jobs for me happen. This is probably typical for everybody. Is that somebody drops out? Mm. Um, so somebody's doing a show, and for whatever reason, either they decide it sucks or they get a better job or they have a falling out with the director they drop out of the show Mm -hmm. and so suddenly they need a new designer in a hurry and Mm so in those cases that's where the real opportunity for young designers Mm -hmm. comes because they you know a lot of times the more senior designers just aren't available Mm -hmm. on such short notice Um, and so um, so then that's a chance to step in and, and, and actually, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a chance to step in and do something, no, it's but, a chance to step but in you also have to be able to work fast because, right. you know, when, yeah. the, when those situations happen, you know, it's like, quick. you know, usually they're calling you and saying, you know, you say, what are the designs do? And they say, well, they were due three weeks ago. So yours is in like less. So, so you're already behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So, so get on that's that. Crazy. Oof, yeah. my goodness. So you kind of have talked about like skill set and things that you should know. Um, what are some basic, like especially for designers now with the technology that's evolving, what are some skills that aspiring designers should have to be successful or have a step ahead in the beginning of their career? Well, as a designer, the number one skill is drawing. Okay. Um, it's it's uh, hard to it's hard to visualize and communicate something as a designer without being able to draw it in some mm-hmm. way. Um, you know, some people say, well, I can hire somebody else to draw it for me. And to some extent, that's true, but um, you lose you lose so much in, 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 in mm-hmm. doing that. But also, like, drawing is a, is a way that you, as a, des- it's, 
it actually helps you think visually. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that you, sort of notions that you have that you, until you start to draw them, you can't actually work them out. Mm-hmm. Um, until you see them, you know, they don't, um, they, they don't really mean anything. So, so the ability to draw is sort of at the basis of everything, including every computer program. Yeah. Um, do you um, still hand draw or do you use digital platforms? When you are drawing or drafting, um, I hand draw. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I draw on an iPad, but it's still drawing. It's with, sure, a, exactly. with, a, the with a stylus. Exactly. It's basically mm-hmm. just a different type of paper. You're not um, wasting yeah. paper. You're yeah, the that's right. Well, and the, yes, there's certain technical things about the iPad that are actually convenient, like your ability to erase and the ability to work right. work in layers. Um, the layers thing is really the layers awesome. thing is huge. So, but. Um, but it's still, you know. But I'll draw on paper, sure. and um, um, and there's definitely. I mean, computers are obviously hugely invaluable, and at this point, necessary for mm, for the yeah. work that we do. And we, there's all sorts of different programs we use and gadgets that we have in the other room. But um, my sort of feeling about that is anybody can learn to use those programs mm-hmm. um, and those gadgets. But if if they can't draw, there's not really that much mm. they can do. Right. So, you know, um, it, it's like even you know, if you if you want to be an assistant, if you want to be an assistant designer, you know, if you, if you can't draw, then that sort of like leaves leaves you with what you can build a model, you can do some research, mm-hmm. but you can't draw the scenery, you can't draft it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're good at even if you're good at CAD or Vectorworks or one of those drafting, right. the, the, which are the drafting programs that people use to draft scenery, unless unless you have a, a sort of fundamental drawing skill, it's it's there's sort of you can kind of tell when you look at it. it mm-hmm. doesn't and just to be the little dictionary because I tend to yeah. define terms. Drafting means you're making the blueprints, the plots that have the building measurements. Um, is there a better way of defining drafting? Versus it's drawing? they're really scale drawings. Scale drawings. Mm. So the drawings in scale that. Um, are used for planning and they're also used for construction. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, we can do all the little sketches and models and um, renderings we want here, but the thing that the, that the people are going to build the scenery from actually is the drafting. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially, it's almost identical to what an architect produces for, for a building. Is mm-hmm. right. You know, it's a scaled, scaled set of drawings that shows the ground plan and elevations and all the details and, and also has the written specifications on it for what the thing is maybe going to be made out of or, mm-hmm. or you know things that aren't obvious just from the drawing. Right. And when you are creating those drafts, do you create them detailed enough that when you send it over to a scene shop, you don't have to oversee it until it's ideally in a f- later stage? Or do you tend to follow it along the... Then I don't know. No, what I'm no, to say. Am yeah, I through the, the construction right process. No, okay. that's a, that's yeah, a yeah. great question. Um, uh, the answer is uh, I do oversee it, um, but not generally on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so the drawing, you know, if you're working with any decent scene shop, they're going to build it the way you drew it. Mm-hmm. The drafting is sort of, you know, is. So it good, fits good, in the theater. The good, it fits <laughs> in the theater, and it's going to, you know, it's going to. Be the sh- all the shapes and sizes that right. you drew, unless you've mm-hmm. made mistakes or th- unless they make mistakes. But generally, that's the case. Um, but the th- the the th- there's a couple of things that you know. There's a couple of reasons why you need to sort of keep an eye on it. One time, sometimes you draw something and you don't know exactly what size you want it to be, 
and you're looking at it on a sheet of drafting you need to go, you know, I think that, that the space between those boards wants to be an inch. Mm-hmm. And then you look at it in real life and you go, you know, actually three quarters of an inch would look a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. And Even that quarter of an inch makes a difference. The quarter inch makes a huge difference, you know, can make a huge difference in real life mm-hmm. when you're seeing like hundreds of those spaces, you know. Sure. If you're doing a planked wall and you've got a lot of those spaces, that the difference actually really makes a difference is really profound, but you can't, that's really hard to tell on a drawing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like the difference between a half inch and three quarters of an inch on a drawing is kind of, you know, is, can be a little meaningless. It's like fingernail. Yeah. 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 So, um, so the, you know, the answer to that, you know, for all those sort of important decisions, those important but subtle decisions, mm-hmm. is you ask them to make samples of everything. Oh. So you go before, you know, you start building all this stuff, mm-hmm. I want to see a mock-up of this and this and that, you know, and a lot right. of times you say that at the outset, you say, I want to see mock-ups of these things right. so we can figure out, you know, what makes it look, what makes it look right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's, so, you know, so that's one of the things you have to, to keep an eye on. Sometimes the shops make mistakes too. Sometimes yeah. they just, sometimes they read the drawing the wrong way and you go, no, no, actually that thing is like this. And they go, mm-hmm. oh, I see what you mean by, right. I didn't read the drawing that way. So, you know, even though it's drawn, sometimes there's ambiguities there. And then sometimes we make mistakes. Like we just draw it some way, and then we realize, you know, not, it was wrong. And um, so hopefully you see that early enough so that it's not hugely expensive to, to, to fix it and adjust mm-hmm. it. It's so funny how you were saying mock-ups and everything, and I was like, it actually is very similar to costume designing. Oh, see, I thought it, I mean, yes, we do mock-ups, but a quarter of an inch in costume design is no, not but the same. No, like You were like, a quarter of an inch makes a huge difference, and I was like, I fudge at a quarter of an inch most of the time when I'm building costumes. But no, but it was just like how just the process of it sure, is yeah, very yeah, yeah. Si- similar for something I wouldn't think would be because it is such detailed work. Yeah. Like, and it's so big. Like in my brain. Well, the quarter of an inch could matter like uh, some, de- I would imagine like on a ribbon. You know? Absolutely. Sure. You know, whether, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, whether the, that ribbon is going to be. I was thinking more like, like seams. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. No, but like the finer details, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's Which is like, also why I'm not a designer because also I just really wouldn't care. It really matters if <laughs> there's a lot of them. Like if there's a yeah. lot of something. Yeah. Like know, a lattice. Worker. I was about to be like. You know, then yeah. you start to go, oh, wow, that, that measurement actually is hugely important. Can you, so we've kind of talked about designing, but can you go through the process of you've gotten a script or a project. What are you initially looking for within that script or from the director and other designers? What's that initial process of before you even really know what it looks like? Well, so when, when I first read a script, the, you know, the thing I really want to hold on to is the feeling that I got. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the, what, is, what does the show feel like? What is it, you know... And there's so many different ways to define that, but it could be the mood, it could be something about how the story functions, mm-hmm. it could be how the story unfolds, it could be, you know, it could be something about how the, you think the story is one thing and then it turns out to be something different, mm-hmm. you know, and so those are things that you want to really pay attention to and kind of hold on to, because um, you only get to read the play for the first time once. Mm-hmm. and. Um, you know, ultimately, you, you you will read it more than once. You'll read it maybe maybe many times, depending on what it is. But but it's that first it's that first reading that you uh, I think is really important to honor because that's you know that's the ex- in a way the experience the audience will have when they see it exactly. And um, and so doing everything you can to kind of hold on to that and and 
remain true to that unless you know unless you ultimately decide that this your first impulse about it was wrong which also happens but usually it's not wrong usually there's something about that first read mm. um, that has something really valid in it and mm. so that's a thing to 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 sort of try to you know whether it's writing notes about it to yourself or whether it's doing a really quick sketch whether it's you know, or, or sometimes you read something and it, it triggers a memory of a photograph you've seen somewhere. So it's like mm-hmm. I gotta go find that photograph right now before I, right. you know, while I while I still see yeah. that. And um, yeah. Can I ask what was the mood or the feeling when you designed Moulin Rouge? Because that is such a striking set design. Yeah, thank you. I mean, um, so the big, you know, the the sort of framework for the whole evening is the club itself the, yeah. you know, the Moulin Rouge and um, the script said something really really simple but really uh, evocative John Logan's scripts you know when he described the very first thing he says in the script is the club sex and smoke hmm. and so you know you read those t- two words and you go wow that says a lot about what this room yeah. feels like mm-hmm. uh, and is going to look like and and he has a little more description than that. Um, but I love that. But that's the thing that sort of you know that's the thing that sort of sets you off. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's to me that's the best kind of description. Um, you know some some plays, especially you know um, plays written a hundred years ago, will have these elaborate. Oh my gosh! Elaborate. Especially if they're like an indoor house, like yeah, yeah, an old lace or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That. And so, yeah, like those, I find batty. deadly. And I often will just skip those. When yeah. I'm, um, <laughs> because I, you know, the, really the the important stuff usually comes out of um, out of the story, out of the words, mm-hmm. and and they, and so. Well, and sometimes on the really old old plays, some of that stage direction is what was the first production they you're absolutely right yeah some of that time some of it's really the stage manager's description of the blocking or 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 the stage manager's description of that first set Mm -hmm. um and so that's not necessarily what you want to do exactly right i've also noticed in a lot of your designs you use all these like organic shapes like what comes to my brain is either your design of the emmys or um your how to succeed Huh? Oscars. Oscars. I'm so sorry. I will fix that. I've never done Design the, of the Oscars. Yeah. My bad. He gets up and leaves. <laughs> He's like, how dare you? <laughs> um, and then also your how to succeed that like uh, honeycomb. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what, I don't even know what to call that, but it's it's so organic and striking. And again, Moulin Rouge has those at the very beginning, just what most people have probably seen of those um, arches, I guess, the light. Am I saying the right thing? Yeah, it's yeah. kind of a little art deco. Um, and I don't know if that's the correct, but I kind of get that little vibe yeah. of the geometry. And yeah, everything. and I just, do you define your style a certain way, or do you like to not have a specific style, I guess? Yeah, no, I, I don't try to, I don't try to have a style. I, I mean, I, I think, I think your style as a designer is probably unavoidable. Um, right. And I'll leave it to others to say what my style, what your style is. style is, But sure. I, I, if I have one, but um, I really try to, you know, I really try to make every project feel uh, as vivid and right as I, mm-hmm. as, as, as I can. So the thing I'm doing right now, uh, which is, you know, we're about to start technical rehearsals for this and next week, is, is a soldier's play at the roundabout, which is, you oh. know, could not be more different from, from uh, Moulin Rouge <laughs> in, in, you know, in, every single, in every single way, as yeah. it, you know, and that's as it should be. Right. But, uh, you know, the... the um, 
you know, the idea you mentioned um, how to succeed in business, and the so that takes place, you know, in the, in the early '60s, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's about uh, corporate corporate life. It's a parody of corporate life. Yeah. And um, so, I my first apartment building in Manhattan that I lived in was a Kith Bay Plaza um, over on East 30th Street, mm. and it's actually two towers um, that are identical. And so you look out. I looked out the window and I saw the other tower, and that was what was my view for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And the window shape was sort of vaguely egg shape. It had these sort of curved corners, hmm. and um, it was by this famous architect, I.M. Pei. And uh, he, uh, but it also reminded me of an architect who who uh, was really famous. Uh, before him, uh, Saarinen, Leo Saarinen, and mm-hmm. um, he designed the he designed the TWA terminal at, at JFK that's recently been um, been restored. And oh. he he did these, you know, he had these incredible sort of eggshell, egg shaped uh, designs also, and mm-hmm. it felt so much of that period. But the other thing I was struck by looking at the apartment building across the way from me uh, on East Thirtieth Street was the kind of anonymity of those windows mm-hmm. it was like they were kind of the shape was sort of beautiful but there were also there was so many that were the same and and I always sort of thought like each one of there's like a life behind each one of those oh that's really behind cool. one of those that. windows and I sort of thought like that was a good image for you know this kind of corporate headquarters of the worldwide wicked company Absolutely. and how to succeed in business <laughs> Absolutely. was you know it was both modern but also anonymous and uh there was something about there was something about the anonymity of all these employees, right. you know, mm-hmm. at the worldwide wicked company, and so that's kind of what I was that's after so there. So cool. Well, just from seeing like pictures and little snippets of how to succeed and the illusion and everything, something I really love about your work is the uni- uh, the unity between that and everything else. Uh huh. Like especially with um, how to succeed, because I watch their Tony thing a lot. Oh yeah. I, and I just. <laughs> And I want, and I, because I never got to see it, and I was so disappointed about not seeing it. But I just love the uni- unity of lights, the costumes, and your set work. So, when you work with other designers, like, what is that collaborative process like? Because it seems like it's just really, like, you knock it out of the park. Like, even with the true, like, everything just felt correct. Oh, like, wow. in Thank that you. world. Thanks. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm part of it, and I'm just lucky to work with good collaborators uh you know in those things you know it's 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 uh it's sort of interesting as a set designer um because i don't have to in a way i don't have to collaborate with the other designers as much as they had to with me just because Mm -hmm. the set designer has to get started so much earlier usually um Mm -hmm. and you know this just has to do with the logistics of designing a set it's sets are especially for complicated shows they tend to be complicated and they they end up defining what all you know the kind of real estate on stage for everybody, so um, and also they take they take longer to build than anything mm-hmm. else you mm-hmm. know like lighting designers work is done largely in the last couple of weeks before the before the show ha- happens mm-hmm. by that point the set's the long set built up. yeah, yeah. So they can so, work off of it so you know on a big musical project I mean I'm often working on a, a good you know on the design a good two years before. Oh. Opening sometimes three years before opening, oh, wow. um, if there's an out of town and that kind of thing. Like Moulin Rouge, you know, I, I was really, you know, earnestly at work on Moulin Rouge two and a half years before it opened on Broadway. Oh. Now that was only a year and a half before we opened in Boston. That's very short. But still, it's you know, it's it's a long it's a long 
uh, it's a long period of time. Right. And so that is a long period of time to be on one pro to be on. Yeah. One so so, uh, not, not to sound I don't mean this to sound arrogant in any way, but it does. But you just you, you know by the time those other design areas start working mm -hmm. on, on something, usually the, the set design is fairly far along. Right. Just right. Sort of how it how it works. And um, so a lot of your set pieces did have lighting, I'm assuming, within it or worked cohesively with it, um, if not like bulbs on it. Is that something that you design? Yeah. And then you tell the lighting designer, hey, you got these to play with too? Or Yeah. I mean, well, so, you know, if you were to look at my sketches for Moulin Rouge, you mm -hmm. would see a lot, you know, those light bulbs are in everything. They're all in the sketches. Mm -hmm. And and um, uh, so, yeah, that was that was... You know that's that is generally there from the sort of beginning of the set design, mm -hmm. but um, I will say that in the case of Moulin Rouge, Justin Townsend, the lighting designer, like asked me to make more things light up. Um, oh, you know, as he was yeah. looking through the drawings, he was like, "Let's add, you know, let's add some neon here, and let's, you know, if we could mm -hmm. add some more lights there." Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of it was like looking at parts of my like the the architectural features of my light of my design and saying you know what well what if we made those things light up within you know mm -hmm. you did those you have those you have those circles there what if we made them light up and mm -hmm. so it's that kind of thing um but and you know i don't know it sort of felt <laughs> i was joking that when the show opened in boston three quarters of the set li could light up <laughs> and <laughs> By the time we opened in New York, 100% of it could light oh up. Cause oh, my that, that other 25% in Boston felt really lonely. And right. And <laughs> said, we want to light up, too. Um, so. so coming from Boston to New York, was it kind of they broke the set down in a certain way so that it could just be moved to Broadway, or was it a completely new rebuild because it's a different space? We always knew that we were going to go to the Herschel. Oh, um, okay. So I, that was the – that was um, – I, that was known to me before uh, I started work on Boston. Oh, so, so you were able to think about that ahead of yeah, time. Yeah, hundred percent. So does that happen with a lot of shows, or was this like? Uh, it happens with a lot of shows. Okay. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it is the best way to do it. It doesn't always happen. There are shows that you do out of town and you don't know where they're going to go. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, in that case, you try to get a li list of likely theaters that mm -hmm. it might go to, and then you kind of try to make it fit in all of them. Okay. Um, but, I mean, Broadway theaters aren't that different from one another. They're, you know, the depth mm -hmm. varies a lot, but the kind of the, the, the height and width of the proscenium is like, yeah, I mean, they're, they're different, but it's like, like they're just not that different from one another. Right. In general. Got it. So okay. That's not really, the depth can be very, very different. Mm -hmm. um, and some theaters have like no space stage right and a lot of space stage left. And yeah. that's the opposite. But <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's sort of boring. But I mean, you could just be frozen at the St. James and just knock out the back yeah, wall and exactly. make it the that's shape right. that you want to. <laughs> that's right. We talked about that on a different episode because yeah. one of our uh, guests is a dresser over there. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy to think that they were like, they got the permission because that's a whole other jar of worms. Yeah. To be like, I want to change the structure of this building to fit my design. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> Ooh, can we talk about designing for TV and film as opposed to designing for theater. Sure. Um, I'm sure it's different, but similar in different aspects. And I don't even really know how to ask it because we don't have experience in film. Yeah, well, it is different. Um, the, the, so the, I would say the biggest difference is that, um, th that in a Broadway theater, 
people may be in different seats and have a slightly different view of the stage, but the audience doesn't move. They, um, you know, they have a kind of fixed view mm -hmm. of the stage, mm -hmm. and so that. So you design for that. Um, you know, some people may be further to the right, and some people may be further to the left, and some people are in the mezzanine. But mm -hmm. it's still basically this one view of the, of, of the stage. In film and television, um, you don't know where that's going to be from right. because the camera can go wherever. Oh, and okay. even if you think you know where the camera is going to go, sometimes it goes some other places that you hadn't thought of. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, well, for, so for film, you know, you really, like if you're doing a, if you're doing a, 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 a an actual film set, then you really have to design 300, you should just design it as like it's a real, like a basically like, like a, a real space. Yeah. So that they, you know, maybe you make some of the walls so they can be removed for camera shots. But basically, it's built so that you can, you know, you can you can shoot any mm -hmm. any any direction you want. You don't really want to be in a position of saying you can't take that shot. Right. Gosh, so how did you think through like the Whiz and Hairspray Live when those those angles were everywhere and you had multiple sound stages? How did you? Oh, that blows my mind. Well, they were very different from each other. The Whiz and Hairspray. So the Whiz actually was done essentially like a Broadway show. Oh, okay. Um, it, there was this idea early on that we were going to move it to Broadway after doing as a um, as as this TV show, it never happened, but um, but it was so designed cool. in such a way that it could. It was designed essentially like a proscenium show, and all the cameras for that show were out front, okay. like a proscenium, like a fixed like kind a, of right kind of fixed. Yeah, I mean there was there was there was latitude for them, but basically where the cameras went were the same were sort of the same places where the audience sure would like go. mezzanine versus orchestra. And yeah, exactly. Okay. That's right. Interesting. And so we had backdrops for that show. Oh, now the sure. backdrops were on a. Uh, an LED screen. I was like, I didn't even realize. But that. I still designed, I still designed yeah. backdrops mm -hmm. as, you know, as, as artwork. Yeah. And there were pieces that, and the actors, you know, when we did scene changes, the actors stood still and the scenery came to them. Oh. Like okay. in a Broadway show. Oh, I love Hairspray was, was the opposite. Hairspray was done. Um, it was like. In, you know, what was essentially like movie sets. Mm -hmm. And um, we were indoors and outdoors. Um, wow. And um, sometimes, you know, cutting back and forth within a scene, mm -hmm. we use the back lot, the, uh, the um, universal back lot uh, in L.A. Because they did yeah. a whole street moment for Welcome to the 60s, right? Yeah, yeah. We used that street for a couple of different scenes. And, uh, and we had vehicles, you know, period vehicles on it. Um, wow. and, are, and is that part of your design or is that a props design, vehicles? That's part of my design. It is, yeah. okay. Um, I mean, the props are all my design. All the props are my design. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense because it has to coincide. Yeah, yeah. It's all part. It's all part of the same thing. I mean, they. Add, you know, sometimes we find props and sometimes we build them. But if we mm -hmm. build them, I have to draw them, and and, uh, and and if we if we find them, I have to approve them. So. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So vehicles are part of that. Um, I mean, you know, in LA, you can rent all those. You don't have to sure, buy them. Right. You can go rent all those period mm -hmm. period vehicles, and then you just. You know, park them on a lot. Park them on a lot, and you get stunt drivers to drive them around on cue, and and uh, wow, and and that's 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 what we did. And that was really fun. But then we also have built sets that were mm -hmm. uh, inside. Some of the built sets we built inside of the back lot, so you could go in through a door of the back lot building, and we finished what was inside there. Um, we did that for a couple of the sets, and then most of the sort of indoor sets were uh, in a soundstage. That mm -hmm. was very close to the, to the, 
to the you know to that Baltimore street yeah. that we created. Okay. Um, the Baltimore street was really. Um, I guess it was really once upon a time supposed to be New York, mm-hmm. like a neighborhood of New York mm-hmm. when they built that. Mm-hmm. And so we, we kind of redressed it. And, you know, we made a lot of signs that we put on the buildings and we repainted some of the stuff. And then and then we did dress the storefronts yeah. with a lot of stuff. And, and mm-hmm. um, it was it was a, it was a huge amount of work. It was a big, mm-hmm. big, uh, big undertaking. That explains why you have so many books behind us. Yeah, yeah that's because right. I'm like I'm thinking about this and I'm like, okay, it's Baltimore, like 1959, 1960, 1963. Oh, thank you. See, did yes. not See, even know that. Listen. I just know the song yeah. says "Welcome to the '60s," yeah. so I had that. Um, but that's so much detail, like you said, window dressing of storefronts yeah. and knowing what kind of stores research, were open research, then research. and fonts Ooh. and colors and. Well, that's something I think designers also forget, and sometimes I do too, is that like it's not just pictures of that certain costume or that certain, like you've got to know the history too. Mm-hmm. Like you got to be kind of a history buff and know. Yeah, like you do try to, uh, you know, um, you do try to really kind of immerse yourself in that, in that period mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that, um, you know, ideally once you've done that, you don't have to consult the research every single moment because right. you're sort of mm-hmm. thinking, you're sort of thinking in that, in that in that way mm-hmm. yeah. yeah do you have a period that's like your meat and potatoes like your period that you love um i mean i love so many periods i love the, the i love the 60s and i mm-hmm. love the 50s but <coughs> i i would say i have a real uh love for the late late 19th century um mm. which is where moulin rouge takes right. place yeah. and it's where Gigi uh oh, takes right. place uh-huh. and I, you know i've done a number of projects that sort of live in that world and right. I, I, I'm very comfortable with that architecture and that design and, and um, yeah because a lot of your plays we noticed looking through your website are a lot of indoor homes kind mm-hmm. of very detailed one specific place but they're so like the staircases and the photographs yeah, on the like, walls and the carpets are all so detailed like just looking at one photo I was like oh I could pinpoint like within what twenty to thirty years that's supposed to be without okay. knowing anything yeah. about right, it. Right, exactly. Yeah. And it was so, and that was the thing with Happy Talk. I remember walking on the stage when we closed. Like I had not set foot on that stage before uh-huh. then, and I was like, "This feels like my home back home." It felt like a house built in the nineteen nineties uh-huh. that like hadn't really changed. White suburban family, right? And it felt it just feels it just in. felt like home. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like from the posters you picked to book on the wall to the yeah. types of plants and lamps and even the wood flooring and it's just it just blows my mind the detail like i'm this is why i'm not ever going to be a designer even though my degree like technically says that i can costume Mm -hmm. design i just my brain can't go that far i'm a very big picture person i'm not a very detail-oriented person but is that like um because there's like different avenues i guess of design like is that like a favorite thing you like to do is dressing sets i i know that's like a weird way to say that question but it's dressing just like, but like detailed detail yeah like the detail and stuff because it does seem like not necessarily i mean um uh and i never get to that till very late in the right. project yeah. i mean i actually do think big picture for a long time i think it's really important to think big picture mm-hmm. um you know, that's the thing that will make that, the big picture is what makes it work in that theater, in that space, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the, that's sort of defining the, the the space of the envelope for the show, mm-hmm. um, the container for the show. Mm-hmm. And um, some sets are very detailed and some sets, you know, become very detailed as you work on them. And then some sets are very simple, like um, like a soldier's play, which I'm doing in the roundabout, right. is very, very plain. You know, it's army barracks right. in World War II. 
and those structures did not have much detail. They were um, they were temporary. You know, they were buildings that were built hastily. Mm. Um, you know, in response to wartime. Mm -hmm. Mm. So you know, the vast majority of those barracks were probably built in a couple months. Mm -hmm. Wow. And um, so there isn't a lot of personalization. No, right? they're very they're very impersonal. Um, and um, and and they all almost feel temporary. Some yeah. of them. You know, they're wood, but they they just sort of. They sort of they slap them together. Um, yeah. And um, and that there's something about that that feels right. No, you know? absolutely. And it's funny. I, that was one of those things I didn't really think about. It just kind of made me sad. I was like, oh, that's going to be a really sad, like, play. And I don't know anything about <laughs> oh, it, well, but I'm it's, already like, yeah, oh. Yeah, I mean, it's a dramatic play. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would um, hope so. Because <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if I could do a I don't know that I could do a comedy about World War II. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then we've also touched on, you designed the Oscars. Yes. And what goes into designing an award show like that? So um, that is, you know, it's somewhere between theater and, um, and sort of film, mm -hmm. you know, um, because there, a lot of the shots are from out front where the audience is right. on the Oscars. Uh, but, it's, but then there are also cameras up on stage, steady cams, and mm -hmm. so you do, you do see the you do sort of see all the scenery from all different sides on that show. Mm -hmm. But um, the, you know, the other thing that's really different about doing the Oscars from any of the other stuff for me is that there's no narrative. It's not a story. Right. And so um, in a way, it's harder to get started on the Oscars. I mean, it's fun um, because you, you have a lot of freedom, but mm -hmm. you don't have the same kind of logic to answer your questions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now that I'm in the middle of, you know, well, well, when I'm in the middle of any play, you know, there reaches a point where the questions become very easy to answer because you've developed this world and it has its own logic. And so that logic sort of tells you the answer to these, these things. It kind of just takes on a life of its own. And, um, you know, at a certain point, like for a little prop, the props person doesn't even have to ask you anymore because they just know mm -hmm. from this mm -hmm. world that's been created mm -hmm. what it, that thing is going to be. Mm -hmm. And... Um, that's in response to a story. Yeah. That story does not exist for the Oscars, obviously. <laughs> it's, you know, no. it's an event. It's, a, it's an award show. So, you know, you can try to invent your own sort of story to try to tell. Sometimes the producers of the Oscars will have, um, you know, um, notions or themes that, mm -hmm. they, that they're interested in. But it's really ultimately, uh, it's, you know, it's, it, it's a process of trying to design something that's beautiful um, and feels right to all the mm -hmm. sort of... Like right. it still goes with everything. Yeah, y you know, and y people are going to appear on it and you don't know what they're going to be wearing. Exactly, um, so it's got to be something that so doesn't clash with anybody. Yeah, so that's, that's its own set of challenges. It's interesting. Uh, it's an interesting, interesting thing trying to figure out. Right. I've never even thought about, like, the award shows being designed until you were saying he designed them. I was like, I know, oh, yeah, I didn't of either. course they are. Right. <laughs> like, of course they are. Like, you kind of just, like, I feel like TV, you kind of forget mm -hmm. that a core, like, that's something like that. Even, like, absolutely. when you could see the designs. Because how many years did you do? I did it for six. Right. Yeah. So you could see the photos of them kind of, you know, right, stacked on top of each other. And you're like, oh, they're so different. They each have their own world and their own feeling. Right. Even if it is abstract and organic or whatever. Um, and it was really cool to see that you weren't like, well, we're just going to repeat it and kind of tweak it. Like, mm -hmm. you still took the time to create this whole new environment. I'm so sorry. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Haley's creating a thunderstorm. Sorry. That was loud in my ears. So All right. sorry. <laughs> Have fun editing. <laughs> I'm 
but it's so cool to see your your eye for design just in a snapshot because a year goes by everybody's like what did the Oscars look like last year oh wait no that was the Tony no the Emmys had that (laughs) you know and so it's really cool to be able to see it sure front uh, back to back Um, cool well we're getting towards the end are there any um, resources programs educational like classes that you would like to share that you know of that are that maybe young designers or someone who is interested in would um, maybe refer to right well so there are um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of training programs in the United States both undergraduate and graduate Mm -hmm. Um, and some of them are really good um, a lot of them are really good. Some of them are, are I think, probably a little weaker. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that I don't think that they're all necessarily worth going to. But um, I don't think it's that hard to figure out which 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 are the really right, good right. ones. So those, you know, I you know I act, if I do recommend those t- to people, um, you know, at least on an undergraduate level, um, you know. Partly for the skills, but also as a way of finding out if it's really, you know, it's, it's really something, something you want to do. Right. Something you want to do exactly. Um, you know, there aren't really a lot of um, good sort of, you know, individual classes available mm-hmm. um, that I'm aware of. Uh, but there's um, you, you, I, the one thing I would say that designers should study if they haven't spent a lot of time doing it already is is art. Um, they should take drawing classes. Absolutely. They should sta- take studio drawing. They mm-hmm. should they should take uh, life drawing. They should um, they should spend time drawing architecture. They I was should, about to say, would any would like an architecture class maybe like if they think they're interested? No, no, I, never, not don't. really. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do no that. I, I think architecture is such a completely different discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I get a lot. There's a lot of um, people who are trained as architects who who contact me um, about work. And it's, it's similar, but it's also different in important ways, partly because it's not, st- it's not uh, storytelling in the same way. That's very they're not, true. They're not right. responding to a script. And so much of architecture tends to be really, really profoundly abstract. Mm. Um, and what we do might be abstract, but we still have to tell a story. Yeah, we're and, building a world. And we're building, a, exactly, we're building a world that the audiences generally need to, to sort of understand. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's a, it's a very different kind of assignment. And it's a, there, are, there is overlap between the skills, but there's a lot of skills that are really, really different. So, um, but, but drawing, painting, and art history, studying art history yeah. is also hugely yes. useful. Um, you know, all of, all, all of those things. Um, what are the um, programs that people use nowadays? Either you were talking about using a program on your iPad. We talked about, um, is it AutoCAD or CAD? Yeah. I did not do well in that class in college. Yeah. I can tell you that. <laughs> While everybody can learn how to draft, I can hand draft, can't computer Vector? draft. So there's a, Vector there's, works. Vector, Vector works as one. There's a bunch of programs that are, that. Um, That's what my grad word used. Yeah, Vectorworks is sort sense. of, it's sort of designed a little more for the entertainment business mm-hmm. than CAD, but you know, um, it, it they 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 all produce vectors based drawings and um, so there's you know I, I I'm sort of agnostic about which is better sure um, but yeah ultimately you need to be able to draw in CAD or Vectorworks or some people now are drawing in Rhino um, oh, okay. and um, but uh, so you know no, learning one of those programs is important I still maintain that learning to draft 
Yeah, absolutely. By hand first is more important, um, but but they're both but they're both important. You know, Photoshop is a skill obviously that oh, that we yes. use all the time. Um, some people do some stuff in Illustrator. We don't really do it that much here, but but definitely Photoshop is is is, is a big key. It's a good skill. Yeah, and um, uh, and then you know there's a couple of other programs like SketchUp, but. I think it's kind of limited for what we do. I could do that one. Yeah. <laughs> that was the, they like started us on okay. that. It's okay. Oh. It's, it's useful for some things, but yeah. I don't think it's. It's I, limited. It's limited. Yeah. I don't think it's really, I don't think it's sort of expressive enough for, for, for most of what we do. And then, um, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, for, for drawing, I, I like to use Procreate, which is an app that you get on your iPad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's similar to, you know, it's organized in a way that's similar to Photoshop. It doesn't do as many things as Photoshop, but it is. But it lets you draw. Um, mm-hmm. Also, lets you import photographs and resize them, and you know all that kind of junk. So, and, oh, and yeah. work in layers. So, it's it's a really really useful program. I use it all the time. I mean, it basically now I do my drawing in Procreate, and the drawing skills I have are the exact same. But it's exactly. it's just sort of it's just sort of um, makes it a little simpler for, to sort of modify and and develop uh, without having to start over and um and then you know the also the other thing that's super useful is when you're done you just hit email and send it to somebody <laughs> oh, and love that that's so nice you don't have to scan it yeah copy exactly it. i know that's where i'm at right now <laughs> you know and then people will send me you know as a designer people send me photographs of things all the time uh-huh. and you know for from a shop or a prop or something like that and i'll just take that photograph open it and procreate draw some notes on it or draw a modification on it send right. it right back and oh, it's, I can wonderful. do that while I'm sitting in a meaning and that's it's exactly. so fast it's yeah. technology but it's important I mean so when I was in college and I was I took I took drafting scenic design and um, costume design and then just like basic art for theater um, yeah. and none of those we did anything digital we didn't even touch anything digital until we got to CAD which was its own class yeah, I think that we had smart. to take that's good but it was it's definitely now, even as a costume designer, you know, when I was getting out, I was seeing all of these designers on their iPads, and I was like, I have no idea I, yeah, what my... programs those are, how to use it. So I think it's important for those who are in college right now, whose maybe professors kind of swear by hard copies more often, to introduce yourself to those digital platforms so that you can do either or. So you're like, I can do A or B. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I learned pro- I learned how to use Procreate in like three days. It was like, sure. It's not that big a deal. It's you know, it's, but. But drawing, I'm still learning how to draw, you know. Right. Way, so. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it's it's a good thing to be able to come up to a designer and be like, you need this or this or this because I can do all of it. Yeah. You know, it's a tool belt thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. We are at the end of our time. So would you like to give us your website? Yeah, sure. Uh, my website is uh, DerekMcLean.com. Great. And we'll spell that out in the description. Okay, cool. And, and then Instagram, Instagram is... Uh, at Derek McLean. Perfect. And Twitter is at Derek McLean. Awesome. So okay, so simple. So and simple, we will yeah. probably end up sharing a few of your scenic design photos that we've mentioned more of if on our Instagram right. as well. Yeah. If that's all right. That's great, great. Of course. Yeah. Derek, thank you so much. I just want to say that when um, anyone who's come out of Moulin Rouge, pretty much the first thing they say is like, the set is gorgeous. It's like a set. So oh, that's like, fantastic. really congratulations. Thank you. Have you seen a, it yet? No. I want to. We're like, it's so expensive. <laughs> I know, it's expensive. too expensive, but yeah. But oh. it's, it's on the bucket list. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I'm very excited about it. But cool. thank right. you well, so thank much. Yeah. Well, thank you. It was nice talking with both of you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.
Thanks for tuning in this week. You guys, if you enjoyed the episode, go ahead and rate and subscribe. And you can find us on Instagram at Working in the Wings. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like for us to cover, shoot us an email at workinginthewings at gmail.com. See you soon. It's a Dapper Devil production, see?